Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb. Pleased to be joined by the driver, NASCAR superstar, Wisconsin's own driver, the number 21 Wood Brothers Ford, Paul Menard. Paul, how you doing? Hey, doing good, Jeff. Hey, thanks. Thanks for your time. I appreciate a couple minutes. I know uh, season's about, you know, ready to, to get going full uh, full bore here, so I'm sure you're pretty busy. Hey, do you, do you call yourself the Polish pipe bomb? Yep, that's a nickname. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, we're uh, yeah we're getting getting ready to to get the season started down here in Daytona. So uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of a new year of of unknowns with some new rules packages that we have, and uh, you know one thing's for certain is the Daytona 500 is is the same same package as the last few years, and it's going to be a, a hell of a race. Yeah, it always is. It always is, and you know you typically seem to do very well on the restrictor plate tracks. You finished uh, sixth in last year's Daytona, fifth the year before that. So uh, expecting another strong run, I bet, this season. Yeah, I mean, uh, plate tracks are always a little uh, a little tricky because of, uh, uh, you know, just, just being in the pack all day long, trying to trying to manage your your car, trying not to get caught up in other, other crashes and, um, yeah, we've had some, some decent success down there. Obviously, uh, looking to to do better. You know, we uh, we finished sixth last year, and um, really kicking myself because I, I made a move on the last lap. Um, that hindsight, I, I should have uh, should have gone to the middle when I tried to drive underneath somebody and just lost some momentum. So it could have, you know, could have, would have, should have, should have been better. Um, but we always learn. We always review tape and and uh, try to make better decisions. Well, don't beat yourself up too bad about it because at least you tried to make a move instead of some of the guys that just sit, follow the leader, and are happy finishing fifth. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, nobody, you know, it, it depends on your situation, obviously. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're always trying to put yourself in the best position. And sometimes, you know, riding fifth is, is as good as you're going to get. And uh, so you protect that. And uh, we, we had a really strong forward last year, and I, I felt like we could have gone forward. Um, and uh, you know, try to try to make a move, and, and probably lost a couple spots because of it. But uh, is what it is, and uh, we learn. Yeah, absolutely. So the big news out of NASCAR this week, you know, uh, announcing that they're going to take the wins and uh, money and everything away if uh, if the winner's car fails inspection, and now the win will be granted to the second place car if that car pe- uh, passes inspection. Are you a fan of uh, of this? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, unless we're the ones that get caught, uh, <laughs> you know, but no, I, I think if, if, if your car's illegal, uh, you should get thrown out. Um, you know, the kind of the gray area is if, if you get damaged during the race or, you know, there's, there's all sorts of contact that goes on throughout the race and some tracks more than others. Um, and NASCAR has been pretty good historically about recon- recognizing that. Um, but that, that's kind of where the gray area is, is if you have a little bit of body damage or, or uh, contact that that made your car illegal that um, you know you, you might have to appeal the penalty or do something like that. But in general, if your if your car is illegal, it's illegal, and um, uh, I'm I'm all for that. You know, just uh, uh, policing the the rules as they should be. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I what always drove me nuts is that 
you know, you watch the race on Sunday, so-and-so wins, fantastic, and then three days later on Wednesday, oh, well, they didn't really win. So at least now it sounds like, yeah, you know, encumbered, absolutely. At least now it seems like we're going to know on Sunday who actually won the darn race. And that's the way it used to be. Uh, you know, when I first started in the sport, uh, if you finished in the top, uh, I think it's the top three, you're in for a late night at the racetrack tearing, tearing your car apart. Um, but everybody did with a smile because you, you finished good. And uh, obviously, you know, hope that your car passes. Um, but I've, I've been through a few of those situations where, you know, run second or, or, or third, or I believe even when I won at Indianapolis, you know, we did tear down at the racetrack. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a late night, but at least you know. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, you're still celebrating while they're ripping it down. So, it's, you know, right. not yeah, not bad staying an extra beer. couple hours. Yeah, there's some beer involved while you're, while you're turning wrenches. But, uh, yeah, it's, it throws you back to short track racing, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of short track racing, let's go back to your start in ice racing. What, uh, you know, kind of obviously I know you started in carts and everything, but uh, you know, did the ice racing around Wisconsin and stuff, kind of an unusual way to start your career. How did, uh, how did that help you? You know, like, did you learn anything with the ice racing that you bring to your NASCAR career now? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, first off, ice racing is just a, a blast. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's a good way to, to, uh, uh, you know, take up some time in the wintertime when, as you know, it gets, really cold up there and there's not a whole lot else to do besides ride snowmobiles and and uh, ice race so um you know some of the the really uh key advantages i think of, of ice racing is um you know kind of what we what you see with these uh dirt you know uh dirt guys you know kyle larson stewart jeff gordon when he came in uh, a lot of throttle control um you know those guys are really good about managing throttle um not rushing the gas not you know some of those uh, sprint cars, you, you don't even get to wide open. They have so much power. And, and ice racing is similar in that we, uh, you know, we, we have studded tires, so you have decent grip, but you can definitely zing the tires at any given time, any time that you want. And the more you zing the tires, the more you spin the tires, uh, the studs will fly out of the tires, and then you lose grip. So a lot of throttle control is probably the biggest uh, advantage to that. All right. Now, I'm not trying to get way ahead of uh, of myself here, but – you know, you you brought up Kyle Larson and you got Tony Stewart and they love running the sprint cars and all that kind of stuff. When, you know, 25, 30 years down the road when you retire from NASCAR, what kind of, you know, do you want to just... Grandpa by then. <laughs> do you want to, like, completely leave racing or would you, do you foresee yourself running a, a series like World of Outlaws or getting back on the ice up here in Wisconsin? What, what, what you know, what do you see in your future? I'll definitely uh, definitely do, do do a lot more ice racing. Um, I haven't been able to to run an ice race since I think 2003 was the last one, uh, just because the uh, you know the ice doesn't get we we need 18 inches uh, to be to be safe 18 inches plus and you know the ice just doesn't get that good until late January uh, through February and um, you know we're we're pretty busy getting ready for Daytona at that time. So basically, since I've gone to uh, you know, moved down south and, and done the NASCAR thing. Haven't been able to, to do an ice race, but that's certainly on the bucket list to, to do some more of that. Um, and then I'll, also the really cool series I think right now is, uh, is the IMSA stuff. Uh, I don't know if you watched the, the 24-hour race at Daytona a couple oh, of years yeah. ago. 
man, those cars are cool, and, and you know they they have some really good racetracks that they go to, and that'd be uh, that'd be something I'd enjoy as well as just uh, do some road racing and some some really cool cars. Nice, nice. We're talking with NASCAR superstar Paul Menard, driver of the twenty one Wood Brothers Ford here on a great Midwest Bank Hotline on the final inspection show. Now, okay. I I don't I tried phrasing this question the right way uh, and I hope I did. Um, to me, okay, a lot of the problems with with racing nowadays is that it, talent sort of takes a, a a back seat compared to the money that drivers bring and sponsorship that drivers bring. Now, with the success that you've had in your career and you've had a long long career in in NASCAR. Uh, you know, you, obviously you won the Brickyard 400. You've had massive success. So how how satisfying is it? How vindicated do you feel to not be just a kid that brings a ton of sponsorship in but actually can stand on your own merit as far as, you know, the successes that you've had in racing? Yeah, well, I certainly have uh, have had some good opportunities uh, uh, because of, my family's involvement in, in, in motorsports. Um, and you know, there's, you know, a lot of kids coming up that their, their dad raced and, and they've, they got the racing bug at an early age and, and some, uh, some, some bring money, some don't. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I kind of, kind of did both, um, come from a motorsports background, my, my family, uh, my dad, my uncle, my, my cousin, um, brother, all race. They're all older than me. All, all race before me. I watched them when I was a little kid racing. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And um, you know, spending time around uh, our IndyCar team and, and things at Indianapolis, uh, we, we've always been involved in racing since uh, since I was born. So we can kind of kind of marry the two, um, which has been a uh, it's unique for sure. Um, I, I feel like I've I've had good success at every level. Um, the one series I haven't haven't won at in, in NASCAR is, is the truck series and that's you know asked about what what I want to do later I'd, I'd love to win a truck race and and you know do a do a few races when I'm when I'm done cup racing and, and try to win in all three series um but that, that you know that's down the road and that's you, you like to add your name to to the few guys that have won in all three series but um yeah I mean I we still have work to do for sure um I've only won one cup race so working hard on on winning number two yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned your dad, and I know that you know he was working with Herm Johnson, and obviously Indy Indianapolis is you know very important to him and all that. That had to be such a thrill for him that you were able to win at the Brickyard. Yeah, I mean it was. Uh, I think his first year there was 1977. I was, I was born in 1980, um, so he, he'd been trying you know for 34 years. Um, up until 2011 to, to win there, and um, he would have been happy with anybody winning for him. But I'm sure having his son win at Indianapolis uh, even better. But yeah, I mean we had we had a great time after the race. Um, you know, one of the one of the highlights of the whole whole thing was obviously having my family there. My my mom was there. My sister was there. Uh, talked to my brothers on the on the cell phone in, in Victory Lane. But just riding around um, after you win that race. You, know, you do all the all the pictures at the yard of bricks, um, kissing the bricks and all that, which I have my family with. But uh, before that, you take a ride around, like a victory lap around the the racetrack in the back of a convertible, and uh, it was my dad and and Richard Childress and myself and uh, nobody else. And 
you know, we had a guy driving the car and, and we're in the back and just, uh, yeah, that, that was a very special, special moment to, to share with him. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. We only got a couple minutes left. So I, I want to, uh, and I'm going to totally make an assumption here, being from Eau Claire, I take it you're a Packers fan? I am. What do you think of uh, Matt LaFleur as the new head coach of the Packers? Uh, honestly, I, I don't know much about him. Um, you know, offensive-minded young guy, you know, that Sean McVay mold. Um, you know, I, I, my, my thought on the whole thing is that, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is still probably the best quarterback in the league and uh, getting an offensive-minded uh, young guy that he can work with and and uh, come up with some uh, some plays that, Obviously, Aaron excels at. Um, you know, he's not getting any younger. So, uh, if we're going to win another Super Bowl, it has to be in the next few years, and hopefully, Lafleur can uh, can pull that off. Yeah, absolutely. And then, final question here for you, Paul: What kind of music are you listening to now? Uh, I'm a I'm a rock and roll guy. Um, I like uh, I'm a big fan of kind of late '80s, early '90s metal. Uh, you know, Megadeth, Pantera. Awesome. Like that and uh, I'm 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 good friends with. Uh, the guitarist from Lamb of God. It's kind of a newer, uh, you know, they've been around for a while, but um, they're pretty popular right now on the on the metal scene. And, and uh, Mark Morton's a, a friend of mine, and comes comes to the Richmond race every year, and we're always talking. But yeah, I'm a I'm a metalhead. I'd say. Oh, that's music to my ears. I am too. I love it. I saw Lamb of God. They were on tour with Slayer and all that, yep. and. Uh, yeah, I saw they uh, they headlined uh, a year or so ago up here at the Rave and all that. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, God, this is wonderful. Yeah. What yeah, if- we, we did, uh, uh, Mark, I had some backstage passes for uh, a show in Charlotte, and they played with, with Slayer. And so I took my wife and, and uh, another friend, uh, another couple friends. And uh, so, yeah, we're on stage for, for Anthrax, uh, for, uh, for, for Lamb of God, and then, then Slayer came up after them and, they had so many pyrotechnics. They they kicked us off the stage because it wasn't uh, wasn't safe. <laughs> we went out and um, you know watched uh, watched out in the uh, uh, you know general admission and uh, man, they had a, it was a hell of a show. Oh yeah, going off and I did not not want to be up on that stage when that happened. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to take any chances with that shifting arm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's awesome. Well, James Hetfield. Yeah, yeah. No, avoid that at all costs. Oh, well, that's great, Paul. Thank you so much for a few minutes. Obviously, best of luck uh, a week from Sunday at, in Daytona for the 500, and best of luck for a uh, 2019 championship season. We'll be rooting for you. All right, Jeff. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you. That was Paul Menard. He joined us on a great Midwest Bank hotline. We'll be right back with more of the Final Inspection Show coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.